Hey everyone, this is Bitupan here. Welcome to the show. I hope you are doing great. Today's guest is an amazing person. He is an adventure cyclist and the author of two books. Let me give an introduction about him. Dhruv Bogra was born in 1968 in Shimla. His father was an officer in the Kumand Regiment of Indian Army, and he grew up in the structured life of cantonment. The turning point in his childhood came when he was sent to a college in Nainital for few years. The boarding school life ignited his love for the mountains and nature, which led him to become an adventure cyclist. He had cycled extensively in the Indian Himalayas and Western Ghats on his mountain bike. His love and passion for cycling did not stop till the Indian mountains. In 2016, he embarked an epic solo and unsupported cycling journey from Dead Horse in Alaska to Peru. That is from one end of North America all the way to South America. In doing so, he became the first Indian citizen to cycle solo and unsupported. The total distance he covered was 15,000 kilometers, and the trip lasted for 14 months, covering a total of 10 countries. Unbelievable. To give you an idea of how much is 15,000 kilometers, the distance between Srinagar, which is in Jammu, till Kanyakumari is 3,622 kilometers. You can actually go up and down from Srinagar to Kanyakumari four times and still not complete 15,000 kilometers. On top of that, his journey was not on plain roads. He passed through mountains, jungles, and unknown terrains. He slept on highways. He spent nights in jungles, and he had to go through difficult situations like bad weather, snow, rain, storm, and sometimes encounter with wild animals, especially bears. This is the story of one man, not a teenager, a 48 years old man, on a bicycle with a 40 kilos backpack. Cycling through unknown places in the largest continent on the planet, all alone. Can you believe that? After coming back from the trip, he wrote his first book called Grit, Gravel, and Gear, which is about the natural habitat on our planet, the indigenous people, and the culture of the Americas, and extraordinary experiences that he had along his journey. It comprises of a collection of 22 stories. Detailing his solo journey across this fascinating 15,000-kilometer stretch of land on his bicycle, the book has detailed maps, illustrations, and beautiful pictures depicting the landscapes, the people, and American culture. And it has also numerous poems written by him while on the journey. He has spent the last 30 years working in leading multinationals and large corporates. He has held many senior leadership roles in the retail industry in companies such as Titan Industries, Best Seller Retails, and Adidas. He is currently the country manager for the fashion brand Forever New in India. A person who has spent more than a year in the wild and nature has definitely a lot to share with us. I am excited to talk to him. Let's get started. So, hello, Mr. Dhruv. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, hi, Bitupan. Thank you for having me on the show. Glad uh, to have you. Very here. happy to be here. It's early morning. I just came back from a ride. Feeling yeah. very energetic. All right. So I directly let's jump into your fifteen uh, thousand kilometers ride. 
and mm. i want to know your uh, best experiences and your worst experiences let's start with the best experiences first and which place was it yeah. and what was the experiences can you share it yeah. with us yeah yeah uh, so basically my, my ride was from uh, dedos alaska to cusco in peru hmm. and uh, this ride uh, obviously goes through 10 countries it was solo and unsupported uh, and therefore one of the toughest rides that uh, any cyclist can take especially mm. because the first 1500 kilometers are on the dalton highway mm. which is in the remote arctic it's considered one of the most uh, dangerous roads in the world so you know when you ask me about which of my best and worst experiences mm. um, i would really uh, classify it into two parts the best and the hardest okay, okay. Uh, i no don't worst think there's any worst experience mm. yes because worst is always uh, you know something that you didn't like but i loved every uh, bit of the journey i loved the struggle i loved the hardship and, and it was by your choice me, so the, it cannot be worst it was by right? my choice so a lot of people <laughs> ask me did you want to turn back hmm. it's a long way you are alone carrying 40 kilos of gear uh, and every day camping in the wild eating out on your own uh, you know uh, meeting uh, animals on the way wild animals also so yes my best experiences from that point of view were three four countries one was definitely alaska which is absolutely the wilderness there is really fantastic mm-hmm. it, it's really you know you have to go there to believe it how wild and how remote it is mm-hmm. especially all of us bethavan we live in a very populous country right. so we are not able to imagine that in in a million square kilometers there will only be 60 people you know or 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 80 90000 100000 100, people spread over a large province which is uh five times the size of uttar pradesh so uh, you know when you when you when you look at it like that it kind of rocks your mind uh, that there is so much of uh, untouched beauty in this world so mm-hmm. that is the same experience i had with canada also in the yukon and the northern part of british columbia which is very wild the southern part is populated by some cities but the northern part of british columbia in um, in canada is very very remote and then of course mexico was a wonderful surprise a lot of people talk very negatively about mexico but it's a very progressive country we are on the same latitude very similar kind of people in terms of art culture especially the indigenous people and who have been settled there for the last 10000 years just very much like our tribal uh, tribal culture right uh, and then of course peru which was a country very very close to my heart if you read the book uh, i have devoted many chapters to peru Mm. it's an incredible country tucked away in south america not many indians know about it uh, we don't even study south american history in school and college so uh, we really don't understand uh, that part of the world but it's mm. a massive continent with a fascinating history and culture so if you really look at it, my best experiences were in these countries because not only was i doing a lot of adventure riding riding through deserts and mountains i was also going into the smaller towns and cities and going to museums and art galleries and soaking in the culture and the archaeology uh, and all that as well so i'm recording it for my mm. book the first 1000 kilometers straight from delhi to dead horse you know at the end of the bitopan uh, i have a corporate life i'm not a man who lives in the wild i'm not a man who is an outdoor adventurer full time in his life mm. i have a corporate life i run a company uh, i work for a company so uh, i have a 9 to 9 job or a 9 to 8 job whatever you want to call it so mm-hmm. i have my pressures as well so to give up everything and go on this adventure and land up in the in a part of the world i've never been to before with a bicycle and 40 kilos of gear 
was very hard. Uh, the first ten days was the hardest. Uh, mm. You know, climbing hills uh, alone. There is no mobile service. There is no food on the way. You drink from the streams. You cook your own food. You have to watch out for bears. You have to watch out for wolves. So these are things that you came you across know, bears can... also, right? Yes, yes, many mm. bears. You know, nine or ten bears. So uh, how you have to teach yourself how will you how will you survive a bear attack if you are mm. alone and you are generally alone. and a bear can attack you out of nowhere you can be camping mm. and you're eating and the bear can come out of the bush mm. and come you know uh, looking for food so bears are generally not aggressive animals but they come hunting for food they can smell food 1 km away uh, and um, they are not man eaters as such but they can they can they can attack. really kill you or they can uh, or they can attack you for the food you're eating or mm. if you're in the harm's way or if you are between the cubs especially a mother will attack without provocation if she thinks that you are a, you are a threat to her cubs mm. so that so when you see a mother with cubs you run a mile i mean you just freeze you don't move towards them at all because the mother can behave very unpredictably so yes these are the some of the harder experiences so why did you decide to go alone i mean did you not find any partner or somebody else to go with you or was it your own decision to purposely go alone i have always was a solo rider Mm. Uh, from the time i started cycling in 2011 and 12 mm. at the same time i did genuinely make some attempts to find someone to travel with mm. i thought it would be good to have another companion mm. uh, but uh, even if it's for example for a part of the journey however you know in long distance cycling spanning over many months or maybe two years it is very difficult to find a partner unless you are married and that person also enjoys your love for cycling it's very difficult to find a friend who'll give up his job also along with you and go cycling for two years mm. somebody a lot of people told me are i'll join you in colombia i'll join you in california nobody came <laughs> from india right uh. and i stopped depending on it and um, there was one person that i tied up with who was an american and he we both said yeah i mean we met on the internet he was a very established rider but unfortunately because he was so established because he had done siberia and africa in his life he was a hardened guy this was my first tour so actually on the dalton highway we we started off together on day 1 and then i lost track of him he was so fast oh you know and and he obviously didn't want to wait for uh, for me because it was slowing him down so we met again 3 4 days later at a place called cold food camp but then i never met him again because uh, he was cycling too fast his speed was different so it's when you're cycling uh whether you are running You have to find someone who's matched to your physical powers and your athletic ability. Hmm. Otherwise, what happens is there's a mismatch. You know, you tend to slow each other down. If one is more experienced than the other, or more powerful than the other, I met another guy, a German guy, okay. and he said, uh, "Okay, I want to go from there to Ushuaia, which is the, where I want to go in Argentina, but I want to do it in hundred uh, days." I said, "Then I mean, hundred days means that you are." Cycling like almost 200 kilometers a day, and he was a young boy, you know, 20, 21, very strong and you know, uh, German athlete, you know, that kind of a thing. But his idea of the journey was very different. He just wanted to do it like for a record. Mm-hmm. My journey was different. I was going on a quest. I wanted to explore the world. I wanted to take pictures. I wanted to go to different parts of you know, different societies, and you know, really, it was more sociological, adventure, historical, everything combined together. Yeah. your family must also have been family members would have been really worried about you right because mm. 
you call yeah, them after so very worried yeah <laughs> you just i'm just imagining I'm how that... would happen when you call them after a week and how is it going you tell them yeah nothing much just about was about to get attacked by a bear but everything is going fine yeah now. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway yeah. how would how would they react yes well uh, i would say uh, my parents were very very tough about the whole thing okay uh, and i think uh, they 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 sort of took it very um very well very bravely i would say because mm-hmm. um and firstly i think it's also their confidence and faith in me and belief that they let me go also in a sense without without resorting to too much of pressure don't go initially they were against the whole trip my mm-hmm. family my relatives everybody was against it mm-hmm. but when they saw that i am really really keen to do it and obviously i was 48 then so how do you stop a 48 year old guy from being what he wants to do mm-hmm. you know especially when he's independent totally you know um you, you can stop your 18 year old from going you know mothers will emotionally blackmail maybe but uh, you can't stop a 48 year old guy from doing what he has to do so you accept it how was your health during the whole journey did you have any health issue in between i had uh, no health issues till i crossed over to mexico okay uh, in mexico i think because of the change in weather uh, mm-hmm. from the us west coast to uh, slightly warmer though it was january and it was uh, very nippy to 18 degrees during the day uh, and maybe about uh, 12 13 degrees in the night not very cold but the change in temperature and the desert wind uh, i got bronchitis <coughs> then i got uh, typhoid later on after 3 4000 kilometers i got uh, typhoid in mexico but once i recovered fully i rested properly for about a week or 10 days once i recovered fully it was the end in mexico i never felt sick again after that Okay. uh whether it was central america or peru my health was absolutely fine uh i was quite strong uh and it is to happen i mean in 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 14 15 months if you fall sick once or twice it's normal i'm surprised that i got so wet in the rain in america all the time mm. and I, i and i was so cold and i was eating from the road in uh, in canada and alaska but i never had single day where i was my stomach was out my throat was bad nothing it was perfect it was just beautiful health whereas in the city you are always falling sick with uh, one i mean every four months you have some sore throat and you have to take antibiotics but here i was cycling 50 60 70 100 kilometers a day eating mm-hmm. not enough food and exerting myself so much every day and sleeping on the roadside in a tent mm-hmm. nothing happened and that taught me one thing which is you know people who live in the villages people have a hard life they hardly fall sick why because their life is so balanced and they're close to nature all the time most of exactly. the time exactly whether right. they're working in the fields or they're working in the in the you know tea gardens or whatever so uh, i worked in the tea gardens for two years by the way yeah two you years. worked in assam i guess i read one of your interviews. yes i worked in i belong to assam actually job. oh yeah that's why i told you Uh-huh. So I worked so, in um, where in Assam? I worked in near Sipsagar near Namrup. I'm from Sipsagar. Borhat. Okay, so <laughs> I was in Borhat. Bor. Okay. Which is in Sipsagar district actually. Ah, uh-huh. right. So my first job was there. I, I was uh, managing a tea garden. I was assistant manager that time, way back uh-huh. in '89. Okay. So did you live in the, inside the town or uh, in in? No, Borhat? no. I lived in the tea garden. Okay. Okay. I lived in Borhat. Which was thirty uh, kilometers from Namrup, I think. Hmm, hmm, hmm. And then from there, I moved to Diflu, which is near Numaligarh, just opposite hmm. Kaziranga. So when I was working in Assam, hmm. I had a motorcycle, and I used to go with another colleague of mine. We have motorcycle uh, up to Karbilong, to Dibrugarh, hmm. to Tinsukia. Uh, you name the place, uh, hmm. we've been there. 
and i think those early days i was just 21 22 there riding in the dark nice. you know uh, with with all sorts of problems going on in those days as you are aware mm. um we were fearless i mean we went into forests and jungles and nobody ever troubled us okay mm. uh, uh nobody ever sort of waylaid us people used to say well, elephants will come or you know there used to be robberies on the highway people would drop trees and stop you and rob you and go away right those things used to happen in those days mm. it never happened to me so that way i was fortunate i think and one of the lessons i learned on this journey with upon is that if if you start fearing everything in life you will attract that event into your life very true okay so if you fear you will attract it so don't don't fear it remain positive and it will not happen to you so everyone said you'll get robbed in mexico you get shot there are gangsters there are drug wars and yes they do happen but not once did i ever have a single bad experience cycling 4000 kilometers in mexico's roads mm. and the same thing happened in assam i mean um, there was a lot of insurgency going on in those days and we were mm. in the tea garden we were people used to say oh you know they'll come and all that nothing ever happened i just want to so, add that other... you told about attracting fear that's actually yes. an universal rule i mean emotions are what emotions are energy in motion So yes. whatever energy, whatever emotion we generate most of the time, we attract those emotions. If we exactly, keep on thinking exactly, in fear yes. all the time, if we see the news and just think that everything is negative all around, yes, obviously yes, yes, we'll yes. attract that situation, right? Yes, yes. Uh, so I also minimized. I stopped watching the news while I was on the journey. Uh, very less. I watched very less news. Hmm. I think the only news I followed was Trump getting elected to <laughs> becoming president while I was in the US, <laughs> because I was in the US that time that uh-huh. the morning he was elected. Uh-huh. Okay. So nice. yes, people were super depressed around me, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I couldn't escape that news. But I I stayed away from the news for almost one and a half years. So like I said, you attract what you uh, what you think exactly. and uh, what you believe. So tell me about your book. Uh, what readers can find in your book, and what can they learn from your book? Well, uh, I'll show the book to yeah, your readers. So that's mm. uh, Grit, Gravel, and Gear. Mm. It's a three hundred and eighty-seven page book. The book chronicles my journey, not day by day, but I've taken twenty twenty-two segments from the journey from across ten countries and told stories of. Uh, like you said the best and the hardest moments and the great experiences that i had mm-hmm. the people that i met the animals the culture the indigenous tribes uh and the cycling journey itself so it's not just a cycling book it's an adventure book it's about exploring new worlds seeing with new eyes mm-hmm. uh, i talk a lot about uh, cultures i talk about myths and beliefs i did a lot of research uh whether it was the maya people the aztec people the inca people um and also about towns little unknown towns that are so amazing for example the town of tequila in mexico okay. has the world's oldest functioning distillery you know and uh, we heard about the drink tequila but we uh, i doubt if anyone even knew there's a town called tequila in mexico which makes tequila oh. you know and and that is the origin of tequila okay so you know things like that very interesting things uh, or the maya or tikal the capital of the maya empire in guatemala So the book is full of interesting information, experiences, conversations with people, art and culture. Uh, it's full of pictures, a lot of black and white pictures, a lot of color pictures, maps. So the maps are there, and I wrote a lot of poems on the way. So those poems are also there. Hmm. So if anyone loves poems, they can pick up the book. And there are poems about 
love, about loneliness, about the hard life on the road, the beauty of the land, so to speak. It aims to interest and entertain. Right. You know, the mm. idea is to make it entertaining. I always kept the reader in mind, mm. especially in India. So if I had written this book, if I was a European, my, my style would have been very different. Mm. But in, for an Indian reader, I have actually explained a few things, uh, which other people in other countries who cycle a lot or do these kind of things would know naturally. I, and this is my last question. I just want you to give a message to the viewers for somebody who uh, lives in cities and who is not really connected to the nature. Uh, see, the, what you did may not be possible for everybody for various reasons. Maybe of course, of course, the health course, may not. Yeah. Or let's say, let's say it's for females. Okay. For ladies, it may not be even possible to actually cycle for a long journey with, with 40 kilos on their back. It may not be possible. But still, yes, yes, of course. By living, by living in the city, how can people still connect to the nature? What best they can do? Okay, I think, uh, and this is a very good question, Betukhan, because uh, when I talk about the book and I talk about the journey, a lot of people think, "Oh, I can't do this." Mm-hmm. You know, that's not the idea. I also didn't start like that. I think the most important thing is not to think about physical powerless. but to be close to nature right you know uh, we are going through a very interesting time in our history of the world um the roads are quieter there is a lockdown going on don't mm-hmm. fear the lockdown just step mm-hmm. out in the morning and hear the birds in the park uh, try and find out if within your state there is a nice sanctuary you can go to like a day trip or maybe half two hours away drive to the sanctuary early in the morning either yourself or with your wife or your girlfriend or your children whoever or you can go alone and spend time just listening to the birds and just walk walk for 5 kilometers walk for 3 kilometers and set you know a daily routine or a weekly routine for yourself that I'll make it a point to go to these sanctuaries exactly. the sounds of nature heals you it bonds families it bonds you with yourself uh, and also makes you a kinder gentler and more compassionate person So right. I think this is what we need in life, whether with the society we live in, which is so torn apart by divisions of all types. Uh, nature heals you, right, and gives you a perspective, a perspective that we are all part of the same earth, the same part of the. I used to go around hugging trees, you know, in Alaska and Canada because mm, they were thousand-year-old nice. trees. Wow! And they gave me energy, right? Ah. Uh, and same way, I mean, when did we last hug a tree which is really beautiful? Mm. so i think we need to understand we are made of the same dust the trees uh, our cellular structure and we will always be in harmony with it if you allow it if you allow it to come to our life very nice okay that's very important true all right fine sir so it was great talking to you thank you so much for your wisdom thank you. and also we learned a lot from your experiences <laughs> and bitupan i wrote a second book called away away yeah uh, which is available Uh, which is available as an ebook that's about my adventures in the himalayas uh, so i hope people maybe some people can take inspiration from that that it is possible to get away for 4 to 6 days mm-hmm. and still keep your job and be happy so uh, all the best to you and your show in the thank future you, and right. to you personally thank you thank you sir bye bye